0: You're listening to the CIT podcast. If you'd like to know more about CIT or like to donate to this ministry, you can find us online at churchintoronto.com, Instagram, or Facebook. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'd love to see you at church this Sunday. My name is uh, Ian, so good that you're here to join us this morning. Uh, if it's your first time, welcome. We love having new people. Um, we are in a series in the Gospel of John. Our overall theme is, the wor- is uh, believe. Uh, this word comes up again and again. Before I jump into the actual message, I'm going to invite our reader to come on up and read the verses for us and to introduce himself too.
1: Uh, hi, everyone. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Meng. I actually grew up at CIT um, and then high school came around and I was a bit of an arrogant teenager who thought he knew all the answers to life on his own so I stopped going as much and then I stopped going altogether. together um, so turns out I didn't know the answers and um, two years ago when I was living in a different province I saw that this church had a live stream so I started watching on there and then in January I came back to Toronto and I started attending in person so this church is been great to me in many ways it's not only welcoming but people here have actually challenged me to be more disciplined and active in my faith so I feel like this is a place that I feel like I should belong in and it's a place that's made my faith a lot stronger than it was a year or two ago so I'll be reading today's verses from John chapter 11 then Jesus deeply moved again came to the tomb it was a cave and a stone was lying against it remove the stone Jesus said Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, there is already a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the crowd standing here, I said this, so that they may believe you sent me. After he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, bound hand and foot with linen strips and with his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he did, believed in him.
0: Thank you, Ming. Um, So if you were with us last week, uh, Del uh, took us through the beginning of this chapter, and uh, uh, he helped us to see the conversations that Jesus was having with this man named Lazarus who was sick and had died. One was the sister Martha, one was the sister Mary. He's having that conversation with them, and um, the message ended, and Lazarus is still in the grave. So today, it wouldn't surprise you, it shouldn't surprise you that uh, re- Lazarus gets raised. So the title of the message is Raising Lazarus, Pointing to a Better Resurrection. Let me just walk through uh, what is happening in, in these verses to begin with, and then we'll get into some really... Um I think important application of, of this particular passage. So first thing first, uh, Lazarus has died. He's in this tomb, and Jesus comes to where he is. And uh, in the verses that Meng just read, you realize that the, the, the critical thing is he's got to open that tomb. And so Jesus goes and he says, "Remove the stone." And immediately, Martha being the responsible one says, wait a minute, (laughs) there's going to be an odor. If you open that now, there's going to be a stench coming out. Why? Because he's been in there for four days. And some of us, we may be familiar with, uh, you know, the way that um, burials take place and we're thinking mummification and all those kinds of things. Well, that's not the way they did things in those days. They basically just Wrap the person in a in a cloth, and they um, per, put perfumes on them just to try to keep the odor down. But after four days, the perfume isn't working anymore, and so she's well aware. If you open that, there's going to be you know it's kind of like on a hot day when you open up your green bin. Come on, how many flies come out of that thing? Right? That, it just, just, that's just the way it is, it's just going to smell. So she's, she knows exactly what's going on. I wanted to, to bring you to this verse here. Verse 40 says, "Yes, yeah, there we go. Uh, Jesus said to Martha, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So Jesus is reminding Martha of the conversation they've already had, and he's been talking about the glory of God. And you might be asking, well, what does it mean you're going to see the glory of God? And again, as we've been going through this, we've, and actually as, as we've gone through a lot of the different series over the last number of years, we keep um, reminding you, read John for John. See what John is saying about these things. Don't don't water things down. Don't try to balance things out by going to someplace else. In the Gospel of John, what does it mean for you to see the glory of God? That's the question that we should be asking. And what it basically means is this. How God is revealing himself to human beings. not only how he's revealing himself to human beings, but how how he's giving life to human beings. So think about it. Jesus fed the 5,000. He's giving life. That is the glory of God. It's showing you who God is. It's showing you the character of God. This is what you can count on from God. So, it's the way he gives life. And and, and some people would say it's his life giving power to humans. Now, power, we don't have to think in terms of might. We just think he's able to do things in order to give you and I life. So, he feeds people, he healed lame people, He, he gave sight. To a man who was born blind. These are a lot of things. These are showing the character of God. These are showing the way that God, in his life-giving way, just gives life to human beings. It's just the way that he does things. And of course, today, what we're looking at is the raising of Lazarus. So that's exactly what he's saying. He's saying, Martha, if you pay attention here, you're going to see the glory of God. You're going to see more of who God is. And of course, he also says this in the same verse. If you believe, if you believe, this is what you're going to see. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. And so what is Jesus saying to her? Trust me. Would you trust me? In this moment, I know what your eyes are seeing. I know what your senses are telling you. You've already told me about the stench. I know you, you, you're probably having an overload right now, but I'm telling you, if you believe you are about to see more of who God is, you're gonna see the glory of God. And of course, that is when the whole thing was settled. She calmed down and Jesus basically said, one, these two words, remove the stone. The stone, so the tomb is open. Now the tomb is open. What do you think the next thing is? what would you think? Calling Lazarus out, right? Wrong. That's not what you, that's not what you see. You see Jesus praying. So look at these verses, 41b, 42. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. See, you and I didn't hear a thing, right? Did we, hear, did we hear Jesus pray to the Father about Lazarus being resurrected? No, but the Father did. And so Jesus is thanking the Father and saying, thank you so much that you have heard me. I know you always hear me, but because of the crowd, that's those people who had gathered around, standing here, I said this so that they may believe you sent me. And this is quite interesting. This is a prayer of thanksgiving on Jesus' part. It displays an intimacy that Jesus has with the Father, the relationship that he and the Father enjoy. His prayer of thanksgiving displayed his dependence on God. I love this quote from Leon Morris, quite interesting. John consistently depicts Jesus as dependent on the Father. And concerned for his glory. He is not like the -the run-of-the-mill popular wonder workers who sought to magnify themselves." So here, Jesus acts not on his own volition but in dependence on the Father. This is exactly what you're seeing right here. We've seen it previously as well because Jesus would continue to say, look, I'm not doing my own works. I'm only doing what the Father is doing. If the Father is doing it, I'm doing it. If the Father says go, I go. If the Father says stay, I stay. And again, going back to the delay at the very beginning of this chapter. He's dependent upon his Father. So we've seen this throughout the Gospel. And so what what happens in these verses again is Jesus says, he's not saying, when I raise this man, I hope people believe. He's saying, what I'm hoping for is as I'm thanking you in this way, people can see the dependence I have on you and that very thing, that relationship that you and I have together, that relationship should cause people to believe because they realize you have sent me. I'm not just here doing my own thing. So then, of course, Jesus calls Lazarus out of the tomb. It does say with a loud voice, right? I think Meng did a pretty good job. <laughs> come out, right? I, 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 like the, I like the fact that you know, he's, he doesn't just say, come out. How many people were in the tomb? You assume one, right? You know at least Lazarus was in there. What happens if there were two people in the tomb? What happens if the, it's not uncommon, it's not uncommon that they would have seven people in a tomb. If Jesus said, "Come out, what's going to happen? He' got seven people coming out. My, and that would be pretty incredible, but he, he didn't, and this is important. He says, "Lazarus, come out." He's calling Lazarus by name that is incredible. Here's what uh, ESV has to say about this whole thing. ESV study Bible says, come out, Those, that, that thought. The, this is the voice of the omnipotent Creator speaking, and even Lazarus's body obeys. Genesis 1, God said, let there be, and there was And it just goes on and on and on. This is the same God. The same God who's able to call things not being into being is able to call a man who is dead out of his grave. That is the God that we have. And that God is standing right before that grave. And so he calls him by name. We'll say a little bit more about that later on. But this is so personal. Back in chapter 10, we talked about the shepherd, the good shepherd. And the sheep not only hear his voice, but they know his voice. And they follow their good shepherd. Lazarus is a sheep. And the good shepherd is standing before the tomb. And even though Lazarus is not able to respond on his own after God brings him back to life, he hears the voice of his shepherd and he walks out of that tomb. And of course, we know in verse 45, many people believe because of what they saw. I want to spend the rest of the time talking about resurrection. I want to explore it together with you this morning because I feel like there's a lot of misunderstanding about what resurrection is. We've seen what resurrection looks like with Lazarus. Um, I think we should be clear that what Lazarus uh, experienced was, what did you call it last week? Revivification or something like that. <laughs> other you know, A reviving of his body. Why do we call it that? Because um, Lazarus would die again. You know that, right? Lazarus is... I don't know if he's the only person who's died twice, but anyway, he, he was going to be. So he, he was going to die again. So yes, there are things about this particular experience that are fine for us, but there's a lot here that doesn't match what we're going to go through. So I think it's important for us. Uh, the word, the word uh, in Greek uh, for resurrection is anastasis, and that word simply means this, stand up just just means standing up or stand up and here's the thing resurrection in the ancient world was always about actual bodies it was about people being physically alive having been physically dead that's resurrection Resurrection is not about dying and going to heaven in the sense of the soul escaping the body and leaving the body behind. That's typically what we think. When my loved one passes away, oh, they've resurrected. They've they've gone off to heaven. That's not resurrection. Actually, uh, the more you look into it, the more you realize that is what the philosopher Plato believed. Because he believed the physical body um, was, a, was an awful thing. And that um, anything that we could do to get released from this body and let our soul, you know, fly off to whatever place, that's what, that would be the best. And unfortunately, that thought has crept into Christianity. Is that resurrection? That's not resurrection. That's why I'm saying this morning, we need to spend some time exploring what resurrection really is. So resurrection always assumes that people will die. Always. They will will have a period of being dead. Like, let's say physically dead. But alive. If you're a Christian, it's alive with God. We went through that in the book of Philippians. Go back there to chapter 1. Some people would say, this is life after death. Yeah, that's right. There is a life after death. If you're a Christian, there's a life after death. But again, that's not resurrection. Then, after that period, we don't know how long that period is. This is all up to God. After that period is finished, after that life after death is finished, then resurrection happens. It's okay. It's life after life after death. Come on. Okay, think about it. There's life after death, right? If you're a believer, this is what we believe. There's life after death. You're with God. Okay, but there's a life after life after death. Do you get it? Okay. Yeah, there's, there's more, there's more to the story. Okay, well, what will that life after death, because we're saying life after life after death is when resurrection happens. That's when you and I receive a new body. That's what resurrection is. You and I will receive a new body. Are you ready for that, Madeline? Don't imagine what that body is going to look like. Just, yeah, fine, all right. You can always ask. But, but it's about getting a brand new body and we'll 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 get to this in a second. But it's also a, it's a new body so that you and I can live in God's new creation. He's got a new creation. We we're in the old creation right now and we have an old body. Do you want an old body in a new creation? You don't. You want a new body in a new creation. That is what we're talking about here in resurrection. So Martha, when if you think about what Del was sharing last week, when, when Jesus says, look, Lazarus is going to be raised, her first thought is, yeah, I know, in the last day. That is when Lazarus will be raised. And what Jesus is saying is, wait, there's a little bit more. She's not, she's not wrong that there's a last day resurrection. We just sang about it right? Jesus is coming back, and what's going to happen? We're all going to be raised. Yeah, that's, that's what's going to happen. So she's not wrong, but Jesus wants to show her so much more regarding resurrection. So resurrection actually gives us a great hope. A couple of verses from last week, but let me just touch on them here. Verses 25 and 26 say this, whoever believes in me Though he die yet shall he live. So how many here are clear that even as a Christian, even as a believer, a follower of Jesus, there's a distinct possibility you're going to die. Yeah. It's it's not new. It's not like, okay, I'm never I'm never going to die because I'm a believer in Jesus. No, Jesus is even saying, if you believe in me, though you die, Yet, you're gonna live. And he's pointing towards a resurrection. He's letting you know there is a resurrection. This is not the end of things. And then in verse 26 he says, and everyone who lives, that is today, has eternal life and believes in me, he shall never die. Again, that that hope of resurrection. But that is about today and what resurrection does for you today. So here we've got two things. One is the resurrection that's coming in the future. One is I can actually experience resurrection right now, right here. So uh, why do we hope in, in, uh, in this resurrection? Or why do we have hope? Because as we've been mentioning over the last number of weeks, we have an eternal salvation with God through Jesus. So we have a relationship with God that's eternal. Here's uh, Craig Costa. Has a couple of words to say on this one. Those who come to believe in Jesus enter into a relationship with Him and His Father that is true life. This relationship does not end with the person's final breath. Yes! <laughs> right? That's what we're talking about here. The person remains in relationship with God and in this sense does not die. Those who die remain in the care of God until the last day and on the last day we will be raised and we all get new bodies amen you you know it's always never never surprised me the ones who amen that are the older ones in the room i'm getting there myself yeah so i that amen is getting stronger in me but this is this is it we have why do we have hope we have hope because we're in relationship with an eternal god and God is saying no the relationship with me doesn't end just because you take your final breath that relationship continues on throughout that next stage and then it's gonna go on even further because you're gonna get a brand new body and that is when you will be resurrected while death is real again we're just reiterating the point while death is real it doesn't have the final word look again what Craig Costa has to say on this the gospel makes it clear that death is real but not final Jesus died and Jesus rose amen okay what happened to him will happen to you (laughs) yeah did he die yes did he rise yes did he have a new body he sure did Okay, will you die? Sorry, this is depressing, I know. but uh, Will you die? There's a high likelihood you're going to die. It's like a one-to-one ratio, I think. If you're alive, you're going to die. But will you rise? And will you have a new body? Yes, you will. Yes, you will. Okay, so let's go back to Lazarus and maybe look at what that might symbolize for us. A couple of verses from chapter 5 verses 28 and 29. Jesus said these words. So again, you're going to realize that Martha was not wrong in what she was thinking. A time is coming when all who are in the graves will hear His voice and come out. Those who have done good things to the resurrection of life, but those who have done wicked things to the resurrection of condemnation. And this is interesting. So just as Lazarus heard the voice of God calling him out. This verse tells us who's going to hear the voice of God calling them out of the grave. Now, get, take a look. Is it, is it just Christians? Everyone, right? Yes. Every single person who has ever lived, and has died, and is in the grave, says, a time is coming when all, everyone will hear the voice of God. Madeline, come out. (laughs) No, it's going to happen. It may, I'm not trying to make a joke. It's just, that's what's going to happen. In the same way that Lazarus was called out, and then do you know your shepherd's voice? Yes. And so what do you do? You follow. There are some people who are in the grave who have said, no, I don't believe in God. That's unfortunate. That's horrible. That's terrible. But one day God is going to call that person out from the grave and he's going to resurrect them. He's going to bring them back to life. And the question now becomes, as he calls you out and you come out, have you been a person who has been doing good things? Or are you a person who's done wicked things? That's what's going to come down to whether you are in the resurrection of life, resurrection that continues on into eternal life, or will you be resurrected to be in a state of condemnation? that's what jesus is saying and he's not just, he wasn't saying i mean martha realizes this is going to happen you and i should realize this is what's going to happen one day god will call and he's going to call you by name and you can't say that's not my name you can't move, you can't dodge it god is going to call you personally out of that grave, and it depends on how you have lived your life. Have you been a person who's been in relationship with Jesus? Then you're going to be called into the resurrection that continues on to eternal life, and if not, not. So just as Lazarus was called, you and I will be called as well. There's a gen, that, that, that what Jesus is talking about there is a very general um, resurrection. But Lazarus' resurrection also points to the fact that all believers will be resurrected. Every single one of us will be resurrected. And as I've been mentioning already, resurrection means you're brought back to life and you get a new body, a transformed body. A couple of quotes for, for you. Uh, first from N.T. Wright. He says, a new body, though it will certainly be a body. The reason I put these in, because everybody asks, what is it going to look like? What is it going to be like? Am I going am am I to get a new body that's 70? Again, if it's a new body, maybe it's not bad, but anyway, a new body Though it will certainly be a body in the sense of a physical object occupying space and time, will be a transformed body, a body whose material created from the old material will have new properties. It's going to be very, very similar to what you've got now, but it's going to be new. new. And here's another one from... Oh, another one from Craig Costa. Resurrection of the body means transformation of the body into another kind of existence. It's not a restoration of the body to its previous condition of mortality. Amen? (laughs) We don't usually amen those kind of quotes, but we're happy. I don't want this body for another however many years. Resurrection brings a new mode of embodied life, not a resumption of mortal life as it was. This is, I, I hope you're getting much, much clearer this morning on what resurrection is all about. It's filled with hope. And it should, it should affect the way that we live today. And that's the way I'm going to conclude. I want to talk about what does resurrection look like today. There is, yes, there is the future that we've talked about, but there is the present as well. How is eternal life? How is that resurrection life-giving power operating in you and myself today? So number one, I'll say this. It means that we do not have to live under the power of death. So many people, so many people are afraid of death. They know that as they're getting older that they're marching towards it and there's nothing they can do and billionaires are investing all kinds of money into how do I prolong this life? Am I right, Steve? Right? Silicon Valley is filled with men and women who are like this. I need to extend this life, extend it. Why? They're afraid of death. They've got all this money and they only have one lifetime to use it. And guess what they figured out? Too much money not enough time. And so in a sense, what is, what is happening? They are afraid of death. So as followers of Jesus, our vision of life is one in which the physical reality of death is denied, is denied power over our life. Isn't that great? You don't have to, if you're a believer, a follower of Jesus, you don't have to fear death, right? It's, not, it's nothing you should be afraid of. Okay, so that's one. Number two is this, living in the hope of resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15 is a very interesting, well, I'm not going to put it up on the screen. 1 Corinthians 15 is a very interesting chapter because Paul there gives an in-depth teaching on resurrection. And at the very end of that teaching, he has these words, death has been swallowed up in victory and just like we sang this morning where death is your victory where death is your sting that's why we don't have to live under the power of death or the fear of death because death has been defeated through whom through jesus because when he went to the cross he died but he overcame death by resurrecting on the third day. What's so striking as Paul is concluding that whole long in-depth teaching is verse 58 of that chapter. He starts in this way therefore, and you all know what a therefore means, right? It's conclusion time. So after all that I have said on resurrection, therefore my dear brothers and sisters, Be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Kate, this is it. This is the quote I told you is coming. Sorry, that was a personal thing between Kate and I. I told her on Thursday night. This is this one. Okay. Look what look what N.T. Wright has to say about this. This is long, so hang in there, but it's easy to follow. What we can and must do in the present, if we are following Jesus, is to build for the kingdom. And I love this thought because too many Christians, they just have this weird way of looking at present life. We, uh, you are not oiling the wheels of a machine that's about to roll over a cliff. You are not restoring a great painting that's shortly going to be thrown on the fire. You are not planting roses in a garden that's about to be dug up for a building site. You understand what he's saying? You have a body right now. You have a body. What are you doing with your body right now? How are you investing your time right now? Don't look at it as though it's like, oh, it doesn't make any difference whatsoever. I better call the band up. Okay. It doesn't make any difference, you know, what I do with my body today. No, that's not, that's, that, that's, that's like, okay, oiling the wheels of the machine that's going to fall off the cliff. No, that's not, N.T. Wright is saying, that's not God's view for you or your body right now. So he says, you are accomplishing something that will become in due course part of God's new world. Then another part of the quote goes this. Every act of love, gratitude and kindness, every work of art or music inspired by the love of God and delight in the beauty of his creation, every minute spent teaching a severely handicapped child to write or to walk every act of care and nurture of comfort and support for one's fellow human beings and for that matter one's fellow non-human creatures and of course every prayer, all spirit-led teaching, every deed that spreads the gospel, builds up the church, embraces and embodies holiness rather than corruption and makes the name of Jesus honored in the world. Amen. All of this All of this will find its way through the resurrecting power of God into the new creation that God will one day make. What you're doing today matters. It's not just, oh, I'm passing time. You're not. If you're a Christian, it matters what you're doing today. Don't just like, oh, who cares? I'm just passing time. I'm waiting for the resurrection. That's ridiculous. That's not what God calls you to. He says, invest. Invest in people. Invest in your job. Do it. Uh, Neil uh, is, sorry, is it Jessica? Can you go back to the, the First Corinthians 1558 again? I just 15, Yeah. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, because know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Can you bring up the last part of the quote for me? (laughs) Because I gotta finish it. What we do in Christ and by the Spirit in the present is not wasted, it will last all the way into God's new world. In fact, it will be enhanced there. What you're doing today, it doesn't get tossed out in the new creation with a new body, it gets enhanced. Are you good at producing things? Are you a creative person? Are you an artist? Those things are going to get enhanced in the new creation, in the new world. We don't know what for. It's okay. Just know today what you are doing is investing in that world to come. Of course, you're also investing in the people that are here. Okay. Sorry. I knew that point was going to get me going. Right? so good. Yeah. So many Christians say, I don't, want, I don't know what I'm doing here. Just read them that quote. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what my purpose in life is. Read them that quote. That's what you're here for. You're here investing for the age to come. We're going to sing a song right now as a, as, as a way of concluding. It's all about calling you out of a grave, calling me out of a grave. It's called Glorious Day. You know, it's not uncommon for us, as believers, to allow the circumstances of life to overwhelm us to the point where we find ourselves in another tomb. Not a physical tomb, but it's a tomb nonetheless. And it could be because of anxiety. It could be because of shame and guilt. And that is just like a weight on our shoulders. It could be because of lust or power or addiction, let me just remind you the words that Jesus said to Martha, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. You will see the life-giving power of God call you out of that grave. What grave, what tomb is God calling you out of today? Let's sing that song together. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the CIT Podcast. Our mission is to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. If you want to connect with us, you can visit us online at churchintoronto.com. We'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services this weekend.
1: Wherever you are, we want you to know that God loves you.